Allow me to ask a brutally honest question. At the rate we are deteriorating in the Western world, just how long do we have left before we hit the point of no return? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself. Part of the process of preparing for this radio program each and every day is I spent a lot of time reading. I even look at some of the videos and suggestions that you send me of things to, to ponder and look at to share with you. And I try to find the best things that make sense that are easily or somewhat easily verified because I, I do I do want this program to keep a level of integrity that a lot of programs and a lot of videos that, that are often shared with me sometimes lack. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I was thinking the other day, looking at some of the news stories that I have in front of me, how much time do we have left as a society before we cross a certain point? I'm going to talk first here in the United States, then we'll talk about Canada, United Kingdom. How much time do we have left before the Bill of Rights and our Constitution become meaningless pieces of paper that would be kind of on par with George Orwell's Animal House? where all the rights gradually got taken away. If you ever read the book and you look at where we are heading now, we have established something that to our founding fathers of the United States is abhorrent. They believed in a citizen legislature, people that came to Washington or their state capitals for a short amount of time and then went home and went about their lives. I don't think they ever anticipated in the 1700s, in 1787, that we would have complete massive cities full of nothing but government workers that are entrenched. <laughs> they are the deep state, by the way. We are getting to a point that we have one political party in particular that is weak in the knees. They don't stand for much. They make a lot of noise. Some of them do, but the majority of them just have this idea of, oh, go along to get along. Say the right things at campaign time. Say the right things when I'm running for office. But I would say a majority of a particular party, you can guess, they are in that party in name only. They, they enjoy their Washington, D.C. lifestyle. And they'll come home to their conservative red district and say all the right things to get all you folks to vote for them again. And then they go back to being weak-kneed, uh, mealy-mouth, pretend conservatives. Go along to get along. They love their paycheck. They love the power. And someday when they decide to retire, maybe they'll spend some time being a consultant or, or a lobbyist, who knows? The same is increasingly true even at the state level. 
If our founding fathers had a clue of where this was heading, a professional government class, they would have put a stop to it with term limits and a whole lot more. But it is what it is today, and it's a huge problem today. Particularly since the early 1900s, it has been growing exponentially. If you look at what Roosevelt accomplished, because one of his predecessors, Woodrow Wilson, had given him the income tax, and the state and the senators were no longer answering to their states, they're now just direct elected statewide. It changed the entire landscape. You know, states lost their voice when the Senate became directly elected. Many do not realize that the 17th Amendment allowed in the 1900s the direct election of a senator. Prior to that, the founding fathers wanted the Senate of the United States, the prestigious body of the Senate, to have two senators appointed by the state legislatures. This was to ensure that the federal government couldn't become so big and so powerful to destroy the rights of the states. That went away with Woodrow Wilson. We got the income tax, and we got the Federal Reserve, and and we got uh, the Senate taken away from us when you think about it. The states don't have a voice anymore, like they should And I think that's problematic. And so over the past hundred and some odd years, we've watched the federal government grow exponentially and take on responsibilities never given to the federal government by the Constitution. But nobody, no judge, no Republican, nobody has really stood up to say this is unconstitutional. So we set ourselves up for some huge problems at some point. And that point is coming very soon. We have an elite class, millions of government workers. If you look at the state of Virginia, and I've traveled the state of Virginia quite a bit, we have family that live in Virginia. And if you go to the western part of the state in particular, southwestern part of the state, southern part of the state, any place outside of Richmond, Newport News, or the Alexandria area of Virginia. It's pretty much a very wonderful, beautiful, and conservative state. But government loves to be entrenched. And so the entire Washington, D.C. area, just for example, you know, you talk about the Democrats wanting to They want to make D.C. a state, which is an aberration. I think that the founding fathers would be spinning in their graves to even hear of such a thought. It is a district, a tiny area that should not be a state. The whole idea was not to have (laughs) the federal government being voting on federal matters and what have you. It was designed to keep a, quote, separation of people in government from just voting to keep empowering more government, which is what they would do. And and look at how D.C. has voted for the last, I don't know, oh, let's say 30, 40 years. 
I mean, the last presidential election, it was 90 plus percent. I think it was 92 percent voted for Biden in Washington, D.C. I don't think any kind of a conservative of any party has ever gotten more than 10 percent of the vote in 40 years. So from the Democrats point of view, it's an instant guaranteed two Democrat seats in the Senate and another one person in the House of Representatives, at least. There's an old saying that goes, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We're seeing that in Washington, D.C. today. And I believe that we are rapidly hitting a tipping point that I never thought that I would see in my lifetime. And I'm going to explain why in just a moment I feel this way. I've lived long enough to have been through a number of presidential election cycles in which I voted. And I'm observant enough and I'm a student of history enough to kind of understand where our nation was over the past 80, 90, and 100 years, even though I didn't live during those times. My parents and grandparents did, and you learn a lot by reading and listening to those that lived in that time. If you go back to the early 20th century, there were always evil and corrupt people in all aspects of life, including government. But there was still a firewall That's the best word I can give you, a firewall of a certain level of minimum decency, righteousness, doing the right thing that was permanented in in our society. It, It just was part of who we were. Our churches still preached a faithful gospel for the most part, and a majority of people went to those churches. That's just the way it was. I mean, I'm not I'm not talking about some envision fa- fairy tale. It's it's really what it was like 50, 60, 70 years ago. But starting along the way, especially in the 1960s, even though there was some of this thinking coming out in the 30s and 40s, but by the 1960s, the sexual revolution God is dead in 1968. That's what Time Magazine proclaimed on their cover. If it feels good, do it. The entire entire structure of how we behaved as families and everything else was being chipped away and destroyed. Over the 70s, many churches started gradually abandoning sound teaching and doctrine. And picked up a strange mixture of what is called liberation theology, which does not liberate anybody. It'll put them in captivity to a communist nation. Or they got into all what we call today the woke stuff. Can't we all just get along? We'll compromise what the Bible says just so we can get along better with everybody else. And that's what started happening in the 1970s. And by the 1980s, you see this shift where there's a a dramatic split of people into groups. That dividing by groups continued well into the 1990s. And it's now a perfected art here in the 2000s. 
I go back to when I first started doing this kind of a radio program. I've done talk radio in the past. I've done all kinds of radio. But when I started a program called Your Weekend Show back in uh, 2015, I thought when the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage, we couldn't go any farther down, you know, downhill. But I was wrong. That was just the beginning of an increasingly rapid slide. You know, if you've ever been around a ski slope or the mountains where there's a lot of snow, and I, I've been around places where there's a lot of snow. Been a long time, but I've been around places. You start rolling a little snowball down a hill, and as it goes down the hill, it keeps getting more snow, and it gets bigger and more deadly and more dangerous and and moves at a more rapid speed. And I think we're getting to a point, if we haven't gotten there already, we have gotten to a point where the everything about who we are as a nation, the United States, is about to disappear. And more than half the people, I think, will let it happen. More than half the people will let it happen and not even realize what happened to them until it's too late. Things they're talking about and doing today, it's like every time you, you, you turn around, there's another missile being fired over the horizon with some new issue to tear us apart and strip away freedom and put us into bondage. And a lot of people are now willingly accepting anything the government says and does because they are so afraid. And we have a duplicitous government today. We have a department of injustice, a department of injustice, who is, which is run by a reprobate. I don't care. Garland Merrick is a reprobate. Those in leadership in the White House are reprobates. Nancy Pelosi, the good Catholic that prays every day but believes in abortion, who is a skilled politician who puts her politics before her faith, God is secondary in her life. And I'm saying that not from a judgmental point of view, but by her own action, she gives herself away. She's a skilled and hateful woman who has been involved in California politics, lots of money, and corruption for decades. Look at the family relationships between, oh, I don't know, Governor Newsom and the Pelosi family and several other families that have run California into the ground for decades. It's a corrupt group of people that know how to say the right things to keep themselves in power. I can remember Nancy Pelosi on the TV in front of her $35,000 refrigerator at her house in Washington, D.C., talking about her, you know, $20 a quart ice cream. You know, we little people, we should look up to the royalty and just appreciate all the good things they have. She is so detached from reality, morality, and scripture. She claims to be a good Catholic, yet... Whether you agree with Catholicism or not, you would probably agree with me as a Christian. Abortion is immoral, illegal in God's eyes, and it's purely a violation of thou shalt do no murder, which is the correct interpretation 
from the Hebrew. It's not just killing. It is a premeditated murder. Yet she votes to use your money to pay to kill innocent life. And she sees nothing wrong with it. She sees nothing wrong with stolen elections. And I don't care what anybody says. You cannot convince me that Joe Biden got the record number of votes that he did in certain states, in certain places. Doesn't make any sense. We are watching our free nation slipping away day by day. I've got a bunch of news stories in front of me. I'll probably only get to a few of them today, some of them tomorrow. These are stories you've been hearing about over the last five, six, seven days. And I just want to take a closer look at some of these stories. And and for the first time in my life, I'm generally an optimistic person. I try to see the things that can be done in terms of reaching the world for Christ and, and, and hoping that at least in my lifetime we can hang on to some freedom in our nation. But for the first time in my life, even when I started this program over almost six years ago, when I started this program six years ago, I, I always have warned about God's judgment will come. God's judgment never fails, and God will have his say. The Bible talks about people that mock God. The Bible also says, I will not be mocked. We're coming increasingly to a point of what I call no return. Now, anybody that's ever been in an airplane or been with a pilot or knows a pilot would understand the term. There is a point as you're heading down a runway to take off, that you have time to stop if there's something wrong, but you hit a point of no return where you're going to crash the plane, go off the runway, or have an accident. In other words, there's nothing you can do because you're at a speed where you can no longer stop before you run out of runway and run into something. That's called the point of no return. Last Thursday, I entitled the program as in the days of Noah. And there's no doubt in my mind that we are, if we're not there already, we're really close. I don't think there's a whole lot more we can do any worse than we are today to to get to that point of being at the point of no return. We, We are either almost there or we have already crossed. We've been well on this path for a long, long time. And I look, like I say, at those that are in government over us those that lead us. We have probably more people in government today that are God-haters, Christian-haters, conservative-haters, pushing this critical race theory nonsense. It's all a lie based on even more lies to divide us even further than we are. Now, if you're just tuning in, this is the program Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. In a few minutes, I'll tell you more about the program and how to find out more about us. But if you're new and happen to pick us up on radio or satellite, our website is truth2ponder.com. That is truth2ponder.com. 
ponder.com. And you can find out more about why we do this program and other ways to hear it. Now, getting back to what I was saying, this point of no return. And I, I think that we are, in my opinion, we have maybe 18 months left to change the course of our nation or it can never be changed until something devastating happens. I mean, devastating. In the past year, we've watched how this entire world has been turned upside down uh, with a pandemic and people are doing things they never would have done before. If you had talked to me back in 2019, two years ago, two years ago, I'm looking at things that can be done in, in planning churches. I'm looking at things that can be done in other aspects for the kingdom of God. And nobody saw this pandemic coming. The story from last week about the building collapse near Miami, Florida in Surfside is a, is a quick reminder of how fast things can change unexpectedly. That building, even though some people had known there may be issues back years ago, People were still spending a fortune, six, seven hundred thousand dollars for a small, tiny condo in that building. And how many of them were in that building that night? Maybe they had watched television. Maybe they're retired. Maybe they're a working couple. They came home and they went to bed. How many? How many expected the building to collapse? I watched the video of the collapse. It's out there. For many people laying in their beds, the entire time from the beginning of the collapse until it completely pancaked to the ground was approximately eight seconds. Just eight seconds. You heard a noise and you fell on the ground. From what I just said and started at the word eight seconds, we are now at 10 seconds. How many of those people... How many of those people, when that building collapsed, lost their lives? How many people expected something like that to happen to them? They, they're looking forward to, a, to their life. Some of those people in the building, they weren't that old. Some may be retired. But how many have died? We don't know. We don't know how much time we have. But I also know we don't know how much time we have before we have hit the point of no return as a nation. I've said on this program for quite a long time that we will never totally fix the problems of the United States, the problems of Canada, the problems of the United Kingdom, or anywhere else in the world at the ballot box. We fix it by yielding ourselves to Jesus Christ. And there lies the problem. We can get some temporary fixes, a temporary solution, a delay, so to speak. Maybe in the 2022 election, we can, we can slow the process down. But look back at 2016 when everybody thought we could fix it at the ballot box. Look where we are today, just five years later. Four and a half years later, four and a half years later, where are we at? 
once 2017 hit, yeah, we had a brief time of a better economy. We had a brief time of some of the lowest unemployment. And I guess everybody could gather together and sing a quick chorus of... Yet along with all those so-called good times, we have the Russian collusion, delusion, and everything else that has been the mess that our country has been, fake impeachments and nonsense, Adam Schiff and company with their never-ending trials, so to speak, of trying to get rid of Trump. You know, I'll say this much, and listen carefully. Trump may have not been the most godly man that ever walked the face of the earth by any stretch of the imagination, but at least his policies were, and that is what the reprobate mind cannot stand. Even though he may have not been, quote, the most moral man that ever walked the face of the earth, look at his policies compared to the policies we see coming out of the White House today. Look at the policies that have been pushed since the 2018 election, starting in 2019, from the House of Representatives. We're in trouble as a nation. There's no doubt about it. We are on on life support to survive keeping our freedom. The pandemic proved it. Like I said, look at those that died suddenly in in eight seconds' time. That building collapsed. They had no warning. They had no warning. And I think we as a nation are going to face the same thing. We're going to come to that point of God's judgment, and there'll be no warning. Are you ready for that time? We may be able to push it off just a little bit farther. I talk on this program frequently about God's judgment. It's going to come. It's not going to be stopped. He's not going to be mocked. History proves itself over and over again. There are cycles in history that seem to repeat, almost like it's orchestrated. And we're coming to that time of war. We're coming to that time of financial collapse. We're we're coming to a day of destiny. And it's not that far away. I think the church overall has been terribly prepared Many churches are now abandoning the gospel and they're preaching what St. Paul calls another gospel, which is not the gospel. It's an anathema. Shun them. It's accursed. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I'm talking about you, Presbyterian Church USA. I'm talking about you in many of the United Methodist churches. I'm talking about even the collapse that is occurring now in many of the Southern Baptist churches. And, yeah, I'm talking about the the Episcopal Church in the United States of America, the Anglican Church of Canada, Church of England. They've all gone woke. They've all come up with a new gospel. And they're all nothing but dead men's bones in fine raiment. The things that God makes clear in Scripture that are wrong, we now celebrate. We have given a whole month to pride and rainbows. How many churches have got rainbows? They're they're being prideful. They're also being arrogant. 
They're also thumbing their nose at God. They're rejecting scripture. Those churches are no longer churches. As the book of Revelation makes clear, their lampstand is gone. They are spiritually dead. You know, when you look at the term in the Bible about being reprobate, where does it come from? John Calvin, one of the reformers, would make it very clear. Those that are the reprobate are among the damned. Let me say that again. Those that are the reprobates are among the damned. And here's why. To become, as the Bible calls, the reprobate mind, you don't get there by accident. You get there by a willful action upon your part to be there. You get there knowingly. You get there cunningly. And you deceive yourself ultimately. Because once you've defied God so far, he gives you over to the reprobate mind, doing the things that are unseemly, ungodly, destructive, and evil. And so I don't say it lightly when I say many in our political class, in both parties, I might add, have a reprobate mind. The things of God are no longer important. They make a mockery of the things of God. And like I said before, the Nancy Pelosi's of this world and the Joe Biden's thinking they can just go get communion at a Catholic church because they're they're good Catholics. Yet they abandon Catholic church teaching, which, by the way, in this particular case is Christian church teaching on abortion. I don't there's no there is no compromise on that topic. They make a mockery of the Lord's table. And what does it say about making a mockery of the Lord's table? Something else that can bring you unto damnation. It says, don't take the body and blood of Christ in an unworthy manner, because you take it unto your own damnation. Seeing that in even some Protestant churches today. We have a lot to talk about. I didn't think I'd be starting off in this particular direction. I do have some news stories to share, but I really think I can't make it clear enough. We are entering the days of Noah if we're not there already. And how long God's judgment can be pushed off remains to be seen. God was gracious. He gave Noah 120 years to proclaim the truth and build the ark. And only Noah and his family entered the ark after 120 years. I think just just as we saw with the pandemic and some other things, just in the last 20 some odd years. Think about the surprise of September 11th, 2001. How many people were in the World Trade Centers thinking it's just another day at work on a Wednesday? when many were killed instantly. Now, I'm not going to sit and debate how it happened, who's responsible, but it did happen. Those two buildings collapsed. And 3,000 people died. How many of them knew what was coming that day? Like I said, that building in Miami, how many of them expected that they may have heard a noise and eight seconds later, it's over? How many of us back in January of 2020 
I had a lot of plans that year, some ministry, some other things, some family. It was going to be a very special year. And instead, the pandemic came out of nowhere and locked everything down. And how fast did many people willingly give up their freedom, traded in their freedom for safety from the government? How many have done that? And how many churches were willing to shut their doors, and some still are, as they live in fear, wearing their shaming mask? There are people I see every day, they still wear a face mask, they talk about being vaccinated with the two shots, they're all covered, but they're still running around in fear. Saw somebody yesterday, my wife and I had to go to one of the home improvement stores to pick up uh, a replacement fixture. And there I saw this person get into a vehicle by themselves and drove away wearing a face mask in Florida. I've got some stories on, on quote, the virus and some of the things that were said that have been just so wrong. But you see how quickly your freedom can be eroded and, and just stolen from you and taken away. Listen, this program is truth to ponder. I know I'm going a little long in this segment. I'm trying not to, but it's there's so many things I wanted to share. And if you believe in this ministry, visit our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. I'm thinking about putting together a transcript of this program. I just got to find a way to do it because it's a lot of work. Not that I have to type it. There are softwares and, and places to get it done, but to get it done and have it ready to go synonymous with the program, it's, it's, I, I need some help in that, but we'll figure it out somehow, some way. It's going to be a little bit of an expense, not sure how much, and maybe I'll know more by next week at this time. Maybe by July we can consider the prospect, because some people have said, it's, it's, I can't always listen, but it'd be nice to be able to read through and have it divided into segments, and hopefully we can do that for you. We also have a, a satellite channel. There's still a lot of work to do in the music, so kind of bear with me. I just have not had the time. There's so many folders of music that I had that were thrown in, and now there are some things I'm hearing that just don't fit. But it's also on Galaxy 19, free-to-air satellite. Take a listen if you'd like. If you have a system that picks up any of the Glory Star TV channels, you can hit the radio button and find us. And we'll tell you more about that, too. If you believe in the ministry as we come to the end of this month, we're just about there in covering the airtime expense. And any help you give will be appreciated. Then we start saving up again for the next month and, and some other things that God has laid in front of us for some projects. The mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's number 263, our secure box in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Your own husband coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in 1 Peter 3, it says in the original language, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband. Now you might miss it, but there's something real important in the words. In fact, some translations, you won't even find it. It'll just say, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. But 
The difference is the word own, your own. Why is it thrown in? Well, why is it enough just to say your husband? Well, the point has to be emphasized. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband. Be accountable to your own husband. Love your own husband. Bless your own husband. Focus on your own husband, not somebody else's husband, not the husband of the pastor's wife, not your friend's husband who's more considerate, not the husband who leads the Bible study in church, not the husband he's not, your own husband, not the husband you want him to be. Your own husband. You see, you'll never love him if that's the case. Your own husband. Don't compare him to another husband. You weren't commanded to be subject or to reverence another husband, but your own husband. And a similar thing could be said for you men. You're commanded by God to love your own wives, not your neighbor's wife, your own wife. You're not your friend's wife, your own wife. Husbands and wives, there's nothing else. Your love is to be given to your wife and to your husband, your own. If you can't love the one you pledged to love all your days, then forget about loving anybody else. The notion that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence is a lie. Put your devotion into your own lawn. Delight in the husband or the wife of your youth and the Lord will bless it. Bless your own, and your own will become a blessing. Want more? Ask for a beautiful woman. Now, hidden for 2,000 years, revealed the awesome, unprecedented mystery of the temple doors and sapphires guaranteed to help you become strong and victorious in God. All free. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. It's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now. one 800 Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and all the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. It's box 1111. It's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. And the zip, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah or Haolam, the light of the world. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the program, Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. The one thing this past year or so has taught us about the pandemic are the fact that government authorities and experts are often wrong, and they generally make a lot of rules, rules for thee, but never for me. It's one reason that Governor Newsom is facing a recall election in California. Now, will they fix anything? Who knows? Boris Johnson, England, same thing. Justin Trudeau, same thing. Many political leaders, same thing. Rules for thee, but not for me. I have said this over and over again. This pandemic has been used and abused like nothing I've ever seen in my lifetime. And people are running around scared to death that they're going to keel over dead from the coronavirus. You know, I'm gonna quickly say this. I, I have people that I know and friends and they'll talk about, oh, I had a relative died of COVID and I had another person I knew died of COVID. And you start finding out the age of these people, they're generally not 35 and 40. They're not even 50 and sometimes not even 60. 
I read something fascinating. The average age of somebody dying, the average age of somebody dying in the United States of America today from any and all causes is 78. The average age of dying of COVID-19 is 78. Thought that was rather fascinating. It is a disease we know can be devastating to the elderly, but we now know even though it's coming out slowly, because truth eventually does sometimes get out, that the majority of the deaths could have been easily been avoided with proper treatment. And now we have a vaccine. They keep trying to silence treatments that work for one reason, because if you say that this works, then you don't need this experimental vaccine. And I worry about this experimental vaccine for one reason. We don't know the long-term effect. I'm not going to get into, look, there are a lot of people that I follow that talk about a lot of strange things regarding the vaccine, some of which may make some sense, some of which I can't verify. So I take this approach just from a pragmatic point of view. People that have had COVID should never take it. People that are young should never take it. People that are not at risk should never take it. And if you don't want to be a guinea pig for an experiment on gene therapy, don't take it. And governments and schools should not be mandating that anybody take this experimental concoction unless they want to be 100% liable for anything that goes wrong. Now, they're willing to sign that. Maybe some people would think differently. But for me and my household, no, we're not touching this stuff. And it's not that I have anything against Trump. I just don't trust those that put together the pandemic. And I call it that for a reason, because it's been used and it was planned. Hey, back in October 2019, Event 203, a big conference on a tabletop exercise, what to do in in the event of a a global viral pandemic. And that's why John Hopkins University, who were involved had that wonderful dashboard ready to go on day one because they had used it and built it months prior to that, uh, almost a year prior, uh, to the get-together in New York City. You know, I read a story. A lot of these states are still pretending that, you know, COVID is chasing cars down the highway and tackling youngsters in playgrounds. But I want to remind you of something. I want you to go back to just March of this year. When Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced that Texas would reopen for business 100% and without a statewide mask mandate. And the pro-lockdown experts were just shocked. Oh, CNN declared the dead would pile up like the devastating global epidemic of the bubonic plague that happened in the 1300s in Europe and Asia. And, and, and they were, you know, MSNBC and other bankrupt news media made it sound like that every day we'd have these big trucks, you know, big tractor trailers coming down the highway with someone screaming with a PA system, bring out your dead so they can pick them up and dispose of them. Truthfully, I think that it was fear in the part of the news media watching their precious pandemic narrative falling apart that they used to get Biden elected. You see, if a state as big as Texas and like Florida succeeded in thumbing their nose at the junk science of Dr. Fraud Fauci and company, which told us for the first time in history, healthy people should be forced to stay 
under lockdown and wear oxygen-restricting face mask, then the entire lockdown narrative would begin to fall apart. And they need that lockdown narrative. I'll mention why in a few minutes. Now, remember when President Biden, newly minted President Biden, uh, called this decision Neanderthal thinking? We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. We've been able to move that all the way up to the end of May to have enough for every American to get every adult American to get a shot. And the last thing, the last thing we need is Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. It's also worth noting that Texas Democrat Party chairman Gilberto Hinojosa warned that in this order that Abbott gave, he would kill Texans, just kill off Texans in a large amount. I mean, it was like everybody's going to die in Texas because of this ruling. We have to be like Michigan. We have to be like any other state where everything is locked down and people are in fear wearing face masks and they're not they're not going anywhere. They can't shop. They have to they have to order everything on Amazon. And and if this governor here in Texas will allow people to have some freedom, they're all going to they're all going to die. Remember incoming director of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky. Now, she's a classic individual, all political, not medical. She's she's 99% politics, maybe 1% caring about actual medical stuff because she's been so wrong. I, I can remember her, her tearful little feelings about in, impending doom. When I first started at CDC about two months ago, I made a promise to you. I would tell you the truth, even if it was not the news we wanted to hear. Now is one of those times when I have to share the truth and I have to hope and trust you will listen. I'm gonna pause here, I'm gonna lose the script, and I'm gonna reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope, but right now I'm scared. Um, I know what it's like as a physician to stand in that patient room, gowned, gloved, masked, shielded, and to be the last person to touch someone else's loved one because their loved one couldn't be there. I know what it's like when you're the physician, when you're the healthcare provider, and you're worried that you don't have the resources to take care of the patients in front of you. I know that feeling of nausea when you read the crisis standards of care and you wonder whether there are gonna be enough ventilators to go around and who's gonna make that choice. And I know what it's like to pull up to your hospital every day and see the extra morgue sitting outside. I wanna call your attention to several things that she said in just about a minute or so there. Did you catch that last phrase about the extra morgue space? Now I wanna stop right here. And I want to share with you some needed truth that you didn't get from CNN, NBC, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, or any of the panic-struck face mask wearing, you know, they're wearing their face mask on TV, all running around in fear, yelling at you that you're going to die if you walk outside. The coronavirus is going to just tackle you. There are several things a lot of people don't understand. 
and to look at some of the things that happened in New York City in particular where so much of the news media is based from, there's something you don't realize that they don't bother to tell you. And even in this case, Rochelle Walensky, the new CDC director, didn't tell you either about these so-called temporary morgues outside of a hospital. There was a problem during the early days of the pandemic in New York City. Number one, funeral homes were becoming overwhelmed, not from a bunch of COVID deaths, but any kind of a death. Because, see, they weren't allowed to conduct any funerals. They couldn't have any burials. They couldn't do anything. And so the funeral homes were suddenly bottlenecked, and they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, people die every day in New York City. Thousands upon thousands die every month in New York City. And truthfully and honestly, you know, you a person dies, and then so many days later you have a funeral, and then they're either cremated or buried. But all of a sudden, everything came to a screeching halt in New York. And funeral homes were having to come up with ways to store the people they can't bury that may have just died of old age or in a car wreck or a heart attack. They couldn't bury anybody. And so these temporary morgues were set up in places like New York. Now, in addition, in many areas where these uh, things were set up, I can tell you firsthand, uh, I was working for a large county in another state, for the pandemic, because I have a background in emergency management. We were told to expect 3,000 people to die uh, by July of last year, July 1st, maybe early July. But regardless, we were told to expect a wave of 3,000 people to die in our county. And so one of the things we did early on in, in March when I got there was work up potential temporary morgue space to handle a large influx and find ways to deal with this. And like most places in the United States that set up these temporary morgues, we never used any of it. And by middle of last summer, it was all dismantled. It was nowhere near it. To date, a year and a half later, the alleged number of people that died in this large county is 300. Now, remember, almost 3,000 people die in that county on average based upon normal statistics every year. And we're not even sure if all those COVID deaths were truly COVID deaths. So the idea of the excess deaths is also a problem for me. So in places like New York City, where funeral homes couldn't do anything, and then you had... Uh, Governor Cuomo, you know, St. Andrew Cuomo, the pious of New York, with his harebrained scheme of putting infected people back into nursing homes with elderly, infirmed, and weakened immune people, he just bumped up the numbers like the Grim Reaper in, in New York State, and in particular, New York City. And treatments we knew that could work, that just because Trump said hydroxychloroquine, which was something that people had already known for a long time, you know, could help, or ivermectin, and oh no, now every governor, you can't use that. So suddenly, medical doctors were ordered not to treat patients, just, you know, give them Tylenol and throw them on a ventilator. That's another thing, yeah. All the ventilators we were going to need last year, remember that? 
Governor Saint, you know, Saint Andrew, Pius, Cuomo, whatever. I need forty thousand ventilators. He never needed anywhere near that, but we were building him for him. And that clown wrote a book about himself, being how great I am on dealing with COVID nineteen. And and next to New Jersey, he had the worst record in the United States, but he was the one touted by Fauci <laughs> as, as being the model everybody should follow. That's right. Kill the old folks by putting infected people in a nursing home. That was, that was Dr. Fauci. And, of course, when Texas opened up, Dr. Doom and Gloom himself, well, what did he warn? I'm a bit concerned about it. I understand the, the need and the desire to get back to normal as quickly as you possibly can. And we will ultimately get there. My concern and that of my public health colleagues is that it isn't like turning a switch on and off. If you just completely put aside all public health measures, there is a risk that you will then trigger another surge. And that's not what we need right now. We're having the numbers come down sharply, and then they came to a little plateau, and now they're continuing to go down. The one thing you don't want to do is reverse that and have it go up. So I'm a bit concerned, particularly about the masking. I could understand of gradually tiptoeing into some of the other activities that you want to do, which are important and should be done. But I think we should continue with the masking for at least another period of time. So then when the uh, poster child for COVID lockdowns himself, uh, Dr. Fear Everything Fauci, when he was asked several weeks later why cases and deaths continue to evaporate in Texas and not skyrocket through the roof, as everybody in his camp had predicted, he simply answered, I'm not sure. I guess I don't know. Like so many things he said, they ended up not being totally accurate. And for the first time, maybe maybe some people, especially in Texas, began to get a peek at the man behind the curtain. The great Oz has spoken. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great Oz has spoken. I I am the great and powerful wizard of Oz. I think many people are beginning to see the great and powerful wizard of COVID himself, Dr. Fauci, is nothing but a political hack and a fraud. And, And technically, as I've said before, and I stand by this, he is the father of this virus. He lied before the Senate of the United States when he said, oh, we don't do any gain-of-function research, but, but they did. They absolutely did. They did it through third parties. They tried to remember when Twitter and Facebook, you, know, you, you say that the, the, the virus came from a lab in Wuhan. You were told you were spreading disinformation. People got deplatformed. People got restricted from their accounts, got canceled. The cancel culture canceled people to keep up a lie for the fraud Fauci himself. The wizard of COVID. I think that's a good name for him. From now on, let's call Dr. Fraud Fauci the wizard of COVID. Because he's responsible for why this pandemic occurred across the globe and he should be held accountable. He kept giving us 
all these promises and everything, look at what he says. He has changed his mind over and over and over again. The man can't be trusted because he doesn't know what the truth really is or he's selling a lie one. You know, a new study that appeared in the National Bureau of Economic Research uh, highlighted in Reason Magazine found no evidence that reopening affected the rate of COVID-19 cases over the many weeks, like five, six, seven weeks following the reopening. State level in uh, Texas mortality rates were unaffected at all. They kept going down. In other words, not only did the doom and gloom predicted by the lockdown fanatics fail to materialize, but the steady downward trend of the virus toward extinction continues regardless of any government or Fauci action. As we've repeated, and you can find it in the Liberty Report, the virus was going to do what viruses do, and there's nothing we can do about it. A lot of questions remain. A lot of questions remain to be answered about the panic in the United States. Who will be held responsible for the thousands who died unnecessarily because of the prohibition on safe treatments such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin that have since been shown to be effective against COVID-19? You know, when, when President Trump just mentioned hydroxychloroquine, everybody jumped on it and said, it'll kill you. Yet doctors have been proving over and over again it worked. It became a political issue and it didn't matter if 100,000, 300,000, or 400,000 people died. At least they got Donald Trump out of office. I consider that mass murder. And I hope that at some point, people are finally held accountable. Yep, Governor Abbott deserves some credit for taking the bold step. I wish he had done it sooner. Same with Governor Ron DeSantis here in my, our state of Florida. They saw through the nonsense, they saw through the phoniness, and they looked closely at the numbers. You know, a lot of the numbers we get are often by the media clouded. You would think that COVID-19 kills babies and 20-year-olds and people in the fourth grade and healthy people in their 20s, it is so rare. More kids die of the flu every year than ever died of COVID. That's a fact. They were never the great spreaders. People wearing a face mask, put a little O2 sensor on your finger. You're gonna find out how bad your O2 level goes down and your other bad levels go up. Listen, we are out of time. If you believe in the program, consider supporting us with a financial gift. You can mail that to Ancient Word Radio, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263 in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. We will return tomorrow. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.